0: If you are a regular listener to this show, you know that one of my favorite questions to ask is, what was life like in your house when you were growing up and what values did your family instill in you? Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In the spotlight, a woman whose career path was partially inspired and very much influenced by her devotion to her grandparents at a very young age. She called them Nanny and Da. She is the founder and the president of Dovetail Companies, which she created in response to the vast needs of families dealing with dementia and the overwhelming landscape of elder care in general. This guest has lots of fans. She was nominated by one of her employees, Diane Garrity, who wrote to me and said, quote, She is an inspiration to women because of the way she runs her company, with heart and soul and all the while, while mothering four young children. She's a humble and a gifted leader who is understanding, trustworthy, and supportive. All of us feel blessed to work for her at a company that is more focused on people than on profits. Well, what a nomination. I can't wait for you to meet her. Her name is Erin DiCarlo and this is her story. Erin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Candy. It's an honor and pleasure to be with you today.
0: Let's start with the story of your nanny and your da.
1: It warms my heart just to hear their names. It brings me back to my earlier days before my own four children and working with many other older adults since then. So my nanny and da were the typical, hardworking, South Shore, Massachusetts couple. My grandfather was an immigrant. He was orphaned by his father at a very young age. And my great-grandmother worked very hard as a single mother here to build a life for him. Unfortunately, after the loss of their father, things were so rough, they had to return to Ireland. And he was then drafted into World War II, where he experienced a lot of frontline combat, and I'm sure a lot of trauma. He was a Purple Heart recipient. He had shrapnel in his right leg and knee after, I guess, taking a landmine to save his peers in the front lines. He didn't ever really get into the nitty-gritty, and I think that's something very common. The pain and trauma can be so forefront for people that they have to bury it really far away. But what I remember of his love for me is that those scars from his trauma did not pass on to a future generation. I had a very loving, supportive relationship with my sweet grandfather, and it taught me at a young age that our traumas or our life experiences don't always dictate who we become in the future as we age. And my nanny, she was just the sweetest, kindest woman. My parents divorced when I was young. My grandparents gave me a place of solace and strong footing as a young woman entering into the world. Well,
0: I brought my father's World War II helmet with us because it's kind of like our good luck charm today for this conversation. Because what a generation, you know, we call them the greatest generation. And they didn't talk a lot about their wounds, their losses, their traumas. My father served three tours of duty On the front lines and was mostly in France and I'm showing you this helmet and I'll show our listeners this in a video but he was shot retreating from heavy artillery fire by the Nazis and the bullet ricocheted off the road and into his helmet very heavy made of metal it spun around the helmet and it came out the same hole And when he got to the medic tent, he had blood coming down his face. And so when they took the helmet off, they discovered that he'd been hit. But the bullet only grazed him. And he had a a scar on his forehead and a little burn there from the velocity of the bullet. But he was somebody who did talk about all of his experiences in World War II. And what I noticed and what I want to talk to you about is how important it was for our family to sit around the table and let my dad Tell his stories.
1: I think that's the biggest detriment I would have to say about our culture and everything that surrounds aging. As it pertains to our society, we don't embrace sometimes the older adults in our lives into these conversations. If you think about it, since the beginning of human time, we've been together multiple generations within the four walls of our homes together. And these stories naturally came out when younger people would approach the elder in the home and ask life questions. That's when these stories would come. Really in the 1970s women's liberation movement, when women left the home to work full-time, they weren't there to bring in their parents to age in these homes with our children. And so we're now going into the third generation of young people who don't really feel connected to the great-grandparents or the grandparents just because of the lack of opportunity to engage in this storytelling. There's a stage in our psychological and emotional development. It doesn't stop in adulthood or adolescence. It's kind of the final phase of our aging, and it's called legacy-leaving. And at the end of life, we can leave this experience in a state of despair or integrity. And the ability that your father did so naturally well, coming from this beautiful communication family, in telling those stories, it gave a gift to all of you, but allowed him to feel that he was leaving this legacy behind. And we kind of rob families of that when this isn't naturally occurring within families.
0: Well, working with elders and elder care has become your passion. Yes. Why? Was it just your granddad and your, and your grandmother that taught you all this about aging well, or was it other people in your life?
1: So I, from a very young age, always felt attracted to being with older adults. When I grew up here on the south shore of Massachusetts, and there was a nursing home located next to our high school. And for our senior year work-study program, I volunteered at the nursing home. And I just always loved, from a young age, being around older adults. And I loved hearing their stories. I actually. Worked at right out of college, WBZ News Radio. And my grandmother passed away, my nanny that you referenced. I was so devastated by her death and uncomfortable at 21 years old with death and dying that I became a hospice volunteer. And my first two patients were at a senior living community here in the Boston Market. And I found myself leaving work early to go be bedside with my older adult patients. And I left the news radio industry and went to work in senior living because I knew I wanted to be full-time with older adults. So I had the gift of the love for my grandparents, which then led into hospice work, which it's been 19 years in the industry of elder care, and I don't feel like I've worked a day in my life.
0: Your grandfather eventually got Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to watch a person lose their memory. What has your experience been like to help families who are dealing with an elder who has Alzheimer's?
1: I think it's important here to talk about the foundation. We live in a country that is rampant with ageism. So many people put their blinders on and may avoid symptoms, may wait too long for diagnosis. And so what we see a lot is families ending up in the later stages of cognitive impairment, having their testing and resource discovery happening far too late in the process. I once heard Alzheimer's disease related to breast cancer. Previously in the 60s, 70s, and even early 80s, women would find a lump in their breast, be diagnosed at stage three or stage four cancer, and the outcomes were not great. Alzheimer's disease is similar. If we're testing people after we've already had symptoms, after we've already had decline, we're losing our memory, word finding, it's too late in the progression. What I have found through all of these years and what I really wish I had known from my grandfather, are there precursors? Is there a familial history? are we able to do testing and diagnosis much earlier than the onset of symptoms? So I do a lot of work and advocacy with the Alzheimer's Association of Massachusetts and New Hampshire, trying to help active, healthy people get involved in the research and the studies so that hopefully we can finally find a treatment and a cure. Listen, Alzheimer's does not own us. It is a diagnosis, but we still are who we are as a person. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned through all of these years in my many years of education and advocacy and coaching is we don't want to negate that we have this diagnosis, but how do we increase all of the other aspects of our life that really make us who we are until our last days? So that's my advice is early testing and then making sure we're really filling our bucket in all the other areas of our life that are important to us.
0: Your company is called Dovetail Companies and you're located in Wilmington. Tell us about you and your team, what do you do for elderly patients and their families?
1: The thought, back to the ageism, sometimes just the thought of getting older or if you're recently diagnosed with a condition, that is overwhelming enough emotionally to be facing whatever it is the major life transition you're in the midst of. Then having to engage All of the various services that are available to you as a family member or as an older adult, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to ask for, and unfortunately, all of the aging services that are available to us are in individual silos. So if you're in crisis and you need, let's say home care options, there's one resource for that. Or if you need to leave your home, there may be a time to consider assisted living, that's a whole nother group of options. I've created a one point of contact one resource for all things aging. I am a certified care manager, a certified dementia practitioner, a certified senior advisor, a certified senior move manager, and a senior's real estate specialist. So essentially, I've created a resource that families and professionals have one point of contact. We help families focus on the emotional aspects of whatever they're facing while we handle all of the individual logistics. What
0: about someone who might be diagnosed with early dementia, someone who's a younger person in their 50s or 60s?
1: We are seeing much more diagnosis of what's called young-onset Alzheimer's disease. This is a genetic, hereditary diagnosis. So that's back to this early testing. It's very important if you're a listener, if you have anyone, grandparent, aunt, or uncle who had young onset, there are studies and places to go here locally. Brigham and Women's has an option, Mass General, for testing. There's, a think, 50% chance of inheriting this gene. So it's important with young onset specifically to get the information. There are clinical treatments underway locally in the market. So knowledge is power. Please make sure to reach out to the Mass New Hampshire Clinical Trials Division and demystify this. Get as much information as possible. We are a complimentary resource for many families. Dovetailcompanies.com, we'd be happy to guide you in the right direction with the right resources.
0: When you meet with families who have a parent, a grandparent, a loved one who is failing, what is the first thing you say to them?
1: Tell me what's working really well for you. About six years ago, I started studying positive psychology. But essentially, we as humans are designed to lean into fear three times heavier than positive thoughts, feelings, or emotions. Look at the way we treat aging in America. It's doom and gloom. It's heavy. We're scared. There's a lot of fear around the aging process. I've been blessed through my almost 20 years in the business to have so many examples of people aging really well later in life. And so what I focus on with my clients is what's working well. How do we expand upon that? I don't negate what's not working well. We will address that. But let's first shift our mindset into a completely different space of tell me what's working well. And then we can build upon that. And one other piece to your question Oftentimes, I have a phone conversation with the adult children first, and then I ask them to exit the conversation, and I engage my older adults directly in this process to give them back their autonomy, their respect in their own decision-making, and my job is to preserve the parent-child relationship by having them not be the bad guy, so to say. And so it's very rare that both are in the same room at that first meeting. I'm kind of having two separate meetings.
0: What is the first thing? they say to you, these elders.
1: It's usually, it's not a word, it's a deep breath and a smile. Every day I am told, wow, thank you for asking me. Thank you for engaging me. Back to the ages, and because people aren't very proactive and discussing these things openly, it is a crisis that sparks this conversation. And so they've already lost a lot, whether it's in independence or cognition. So if I can add back in some of those abilities for them, usually we're ending conversations with a hug. (laughs) We meet as strangers and we end as friends, And my clients know I'm here for the long haul. Whatever the situation is that they need for me, it's the beginning of usually a beautiful friendship.
0: When you walked in the door, you had a certain smile and a lot of energy because you had just met with one of your favorite clients, a 93-year-old woman who was in the Navy in World War II. Tell me about her.
1: This is why I love my job. It's funny, Candy. I, I wouldn't think our professions have similarities, but we're very similar. I get to hear the most amazing stories all day, every day. I should bring a microphone on the road with me. I'm not even kidding. And I say, tell me about yourself. That's it. And the things that come up, and by the way, if there was an adult daughter in their room, they would say, no, mom, that doesn't matter. Tell, me, tell her about now when you fell recently. No, I don't want to hear about that yet. A 93-year-old woman, beautiful, spry, living at home, starting to have some decline. She was a professional roller skater, so I got to see all the pictures of her roller skating. She met her husband in the war. I saw pictures of them. It's such an honor to hear these stories, and that's what I do all day. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift I've been given. You know,
0: I do believe that we have just uncovered a treasure here, and I think because of your broadcast experience, you definitely should bring a microphone (laughs) along with you and collect these stories I mean, listeners, would you listen to this? I totally would. I would download that day and night, for sure. While you are busy running dovetail companies, you are also raising four children. She puts her hand to her heart. Love, tell us all about it.
1: The greatest work you will ever do is within the four walls of your own home. The other greatest gift I've received, and I'm, you can probably hear my voice. I'm tearing up as I tell Candy this. For almost 20 years, I've spent my adulthood working with the greatest generation. My average client is 89 years old. I have clients over 100 and clients in their late 60s. I've been reminded every single day of my parenting years that even if you live 100 years, it's a blink of an eye. And I've been given the gift of mindfulness through my clients' words every day, enjoy it, the sleepless nights, the rocking of your babies, the camp experiences. Although I'm in the throes, quote unquote, of work all day, I come home with an outlook of treasuring the chaos. I'm in a beautiful stage of a chaotic life right now. I have three daughters and a son, 12, 10, 7, and my little guys, 4. And I'm just riding the waves because I know that in a blink of an eye, God willing, in a blink of an eye, I'll be in my 80s telling someone else to enjoy it. So we're busy. I uh, was given a lot of energy for a reason. And my children are part of my business. Before COVID, my first two were everywhere. They grew up pulling themselves up on wheelchairs and senior living communities and senior centers. And I started this business and had a surprise fourth pregnancy. And so if you've been on the road with me, I do a lot of presentations and educational seminars I was a nursing mother, so he came with me, and I would pass him to the audience for the presentations, and they would hold him, and then he would come back to me at the end. So I joked and said he was my marketing director because everyone knew Erin but the baby. So it's been a joyous, honestly, a joyous ride. You
0: also say family first. So my question for you is how do you make that work, especially when your clients are often in crisis? And you've just got to step in to help. How does that work?
1: I find this to be a major challenge for working mothers. It's boundary setting, first and foremost. We're only given a short amount of energy each day, and we have to be very specific on where we choose to spend it. And my clients are wonderful. They were mothers and fathers. So if my client is not in crisis and I have a sick child, they understand and always say, yes, take care of your child. But I truly am able to do this because I have the best child care providers. I have a woman who comes into my home. She's like a sister to me who gives me peace of mind to have my children at home so I can go and do the work that I do. And I have a wonderful husband.
0: How did motherhood change you?
1: So my first child was born with, she had severe colic for the first five months of her life. And I... We laugh now, (laughs) but it
0: wasn't funny then. Oh, (laughs)
1: my. PTSD. She forced me to set boundaries. I've been a go-getter. I've worked 80 hours a week up until that point. I had no problem rolling up my sleeves and doing the hard work. This baby needed me, and she needed me to bounce her 18 hours a day, and I did it. I left the corporate senior living world because of that colic, and she gave me the gift of prioritization. I think our children are sent here to be our greatest teachers, and I'm listening, and they're teaching me every day. But motherhood changed me to know I take such pride in knowing that I am the maternal leader within my household. The saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, is very true. <laughs> and so I try to show up and do the work energetically so that I can be in the best version of myself for my children, but also for my clients. If I
0: had met you, Aaron, way back when, let's say you were 10 years old, and I said to you, Erin, so nice to meet you. What do you want to be when you grow up? What would your answer have been?
1: A nurse. So I always wanted to be a nurse, but the sciences were really challenging for me, but I knew I wanted to help people. I wanted to join the Peace Corps. Uh, I didn't do that, and I wanted to be a nurse, and the sciences were challenging, so I became a communications major instead. But I knew I wanted to be with people.
0: Isn't it so interesting, though, when you look back on your life, and again, I do believe we live it in chapters, you wanted to be a nurse, and here you are caring for elders and the elder population. Your employee, Diane Garrity, describes you as a great leader. What is your leadership philosophy? How do you lead this company that you founded?
1: That's a great question. And I'm laughing a bit because I feel like my leadership peers, Lauren Watts, who's my co-owner and vice president of operations, Joe Scott, our director of senior move management. I think they would think I lead alongside I wouldn't call myself a leader in the sense that's definitely not a dictatorship. I'm in the throes of all of it with everyone, and I try to bring a levity. We do very hard work, a lot of hoarding and mental illness and other challenging cases, and we have to have the tools to lighten up sometimes. So hopefully I bring leadership through levity and being in the trenches with them. Speaking
0: of being in the trenches and hard work, where does your work ethic come from? Where did you learn that?
1: My mother is a farmer to this day. She has a dairy goat farm here on the South Shore. I grew up breaking the horses' water buckets and cleaning the stalls before meeting the school bus. My mother's side of the family is a good old New England Yankee. You get up, you do the hard work every day, and you don't complain. So my work ethic is 100% from my mother.
0: What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received, and can you pass that along to our listeners?
1: I was just sharing this recently last week. When I was in college, working and going to school and feeling very overwhelmed, my father said this to me, and now I find myself sharing it often. There's 24 hours in a day. We can't make more hours in the day. Eight hours to sleep, eight hours for work, whether it's professional work or schoolwork, and that still leaves eight more hours in the day to fill with things that bring you joy. We just have to make time for it. That's so wonderful. I love that. Brothers and sisters? I do. I have one older brother. He's I call him a mountain man. He's a fisherman and a hiker, and I have two beautiful nephews. Life is good. Life is really good.
0: Last couple questions. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it?
1: You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. There's a wonderful children's book called (laughs) We're Going on a Bear Hunt, And I say this to my clients every day because there's a major obstacle coming for them, whatever it may be, a move from the long-time home or whatever it might be. We're going to come across obstacles, and we're going to go through it together. You won't be alone, but we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We're going to go through it.
0: Bucket list item for you. What is your hope for dovetail companies, or maybe it's a personal one? You just raised your arms out like, oh, I can't wait to answer this question.
1: Okay, I have two, personal and professional. This sounds lofty, but this is why I do what I do. I... I'm not gonna say I want. I am going to change the way we view and support aging here in America on a national and international scale. That's that. The other side is I wanna travel. I've never seen the world. My whole life I've yearned to travel. So that's my personal goal, someday be able to travel the world.
0: And that's my hope for you too, that all those things come true. Final question for you, Erin. Right now in this chapter of your life, what does success mean to you?
1: Seeing a client thrive. I don't want older adults to just survive the transition that they're facing. I'm going to help them thrive and find joy through the process. And that's success for me.
0: I want to say thank you so much for coming in today.
1: Thank you for having me. This was great.
0: And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Erin DiCarlo. She is the president and the founder of Dovetail Companies. Find out more about her services and her noble mission. Dovetailcompanies.com. follow her on social at dovetail companies i'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile so if you know someone i should feature on the show will you please let me know as you can see from this episode i really do read your emails and many of the women listeners have pitched for the show have been inspiring additions to the series to nominate someone just go to my website candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y O-T-E-R-R-Y dot com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.